Know the difference. One team, one plan, one fee. Here we go on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. It's going to be a busy 60 minutes. I'm Danny Clayton. Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer in the studio. Hey, Derek. Hi, Danny. And Dave Spano, our President and CEO. Yes, Danny. Not only are we going to have a busy 60 minutes, but it was a busy week as well. Uh, and on Friday, we had a roller coaster ride. But for the week, Derek, it was pretty good. Right. One of the stronger weeks we've seen this year. In fact, all, all major averages closed up despite the fact that the yield on the 10-year Treasury went up 22 basis points. And so how did we do in the S&P and triple Qs for the week? Well, the S&P was up north of 3%. The NASDAQ up more than 4 Small caps up 2 um, again, you know, a small dent in some of the declines we've seen recently, but there's growing optimism that perhaps the, the rate of increase by the Federal Reserve is going to start to diminish as we go forward. And you talked about the Treasury's movement, and of course, we watch that very carefully, and we are, to some extent, Fed-obsessed, really, because we have to make sure that at some point they're going to stop raising rates. But, you know, this next rate raise, uh, we expect at 75 basis points, but there was some news made by one Fed governor this week. Right. FOMC member Daly out of San Francisco discussed the fact that while they do feel that she did feel they would raise at 75 basis points in the next meeting, there's going to be a very spirited discussion about the forward path of interest rate hikes. Her feeling is that they're getting to the point now where they may be hiking too quickly. And I think market participants were cheered by that comment. You know, we saw uh, some CPI numbers that remained hot last week. And shockingly, you know, the, the Fed had said early on that inflation was hotter than expected. Obviously, in retrospect, that is true. But it is painful. And the Fed now has a job, a difficult job. And so they're going to try to uh, raise those rates despite if it causes a recession. And one of those indicators is the Treasury bills. And when we, when we compare them from one to another in a what's called inversion, that is telling us something. Right. There are any numbers of ways to look at inversion by comparing, say, the two-year note to the 10-year bond or the three-month T-bill you referenced to the 10-year bond. And what we saw this week is that that one actually inverted too. And in the eight prior times that that occurred, there was a recession subsequent to that. So that's causing many people to be a little bit concerned about forward estimates for the S&P and what the real valuation of the market currently is. And we're watching those Treasury rates because obviously there is some concern and we're watching what's happening around the world and some just stunning news out of the UK this week. Their newly minted prime minister only lasted 44 days. And so now she is out and they have to find a new prime minister. She did last slightly longer than that Pope John Paul in the 1970s, but it was a short stay and it's really causing disruption around the world. Well, yeah, and if you think about we're having difficulties in the United States, think about the U.K., energy shortages, the strong dollar causing anything they import from the United States to be more expensive, sluggish growth, and just a malaise throughout the uh, the EU, and that's causing Europe to essentially freak out. And the longer this war with Russia and Ukraine continues, the more vulnerable they're going to be to energy shortages this winter to the point where, you know, they're talking about turning off the Eiffel Tower, for example, at night and things of that nature. So what we're facing here in the United States is not nearly as bad as it is what they're facing overseas. And the good news there, of course, folks, is that we have been in Oasis over here in the United States with our investing. Even even though uh, it's been down, it's been a very painful year down significantly for the year in both stocks and bonds. But there are companies here that are doing well. You mentioned energy, and energy has been a bellwether, and earnings are starting right now. So we're going to keep a close eye on earnings as they come out. 
Right on. On Friday, energy stocks were making new new annual highs. We also heard some good reports this week from LAM Research, a semiconductor company, IBM, Netflix, Procter & Gamble, and the major banks. Really, the only big report that was, was negative, in my view, was Tesla. They didn't meet their uh, output goals. But again, that's a very expensive stock uh, with a lot of momentum behind it, but a, a valuation that is still very high. And so we talk about a recession, and one of the famous bond managers, Gunlack, puts it at a 75% chance that that happens next year. And of course, the stock market and the economy obviously are not in sync at the moment, and sometimes the markets will bottom long before this recession occurs. So we're going to have to keep an eye on that. And as we have a rally, as we have had this week, how long does it continue? Does it go into the election and beyond is something we're going to watch. And of course, the Fed meeting comes right before the election. A lot of news coming up. Keep an eye on your portfolio, folks. Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer. Dave Spano, our President and CEO. If next year is going to be a doozy, prepare for it now. Head to our website for investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. We do it as a fee-only fiduciary. The website, AnnexWealth.com, and click that Get Started button. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Saturday, October 22nd. We're going to be right back on 620 WTMJ. We're back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. A couple of reminders. Sign up for the Axiom, a free weekly newsletter. You don't have to be a client for that. Great information in there. We're on social media like LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, especially YouTube with over 1,500 Annex Wealth Management produced videos. Got a couple of podcasts you might like. Our SWAT podcast is on Monday mornings with members of the Annex Wealth Management investment team. And a reminder that this show will be available on demand at the top of the hour on Spotify. I'm Danny Clayton, Derek Felsky, our chief investment officer. Dave Spano is president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. Thanks, Danny. You know, I was driving down the road the other day and I looked over at a bank and on their board was a mortgage rate that was in the mid-sevens. I was shocked. But folks, uh, that is indicative of what's happening. And it is really what the Fed is trying to do by raising rates. They're trying to slow down the real estate market and the economy in general. And uh, Derek, you said often last year that people should refinance their mortgages. Well, absolutely. Under 3% for a 30-year and a 15-year mortgage was really too good to be true, particularly when you know we had a 10-year yield of 0.6%. I mean, we talked about picking up pennies in front of a steamroll. And while we tried to, you know, move away from interest rate risk and and so on in our investment portfolios on the fixed income side, there really has been nowhere to hide other than cash in the fixed income area, which is why it's so disconcerting because, you know, usually in a market like this, you get support from the fixed income part of the portfolio. And while that will probably prove going forward, it doesn't really change the fact that that's what's happened in 2022. Right. And so both fixed income and equities are down. And, you know, anytime that you have a bear market, there is a length to it. This particular bear market obviously started in January of this year. And so we're entering month number 10. That puts it in a rather exclusive neighborhood. Right. We've had uh, since World War II, we've had about, I think, nine, nine bear markets that lasted longer than nine months. Currently, this bear market, we're down about 27% or so in the S&P. The average decline of those has been 38% with a median of 36 But in, in most cases, those were associated with a, with a strong recession. So whether we have a shallow recession or a deep recession, we can't really know for certain. But as you mentioned in the prior segment, the United States has been an oasis. A lot of money has come to the United States because of higher interest rates here versus overseas, plus better overlying fundamentals. So that might dampen the downside going forward. 
Yeah, and so if there is a recession, is it shallow or is it a long and deep one like we had in 07, 09? We're not really sure. However, this was one that actually has been created not by some external event, but something that we did here. We had a great economy going, fantastic, and we actually had to slow it down. That's really what's going on. By doing that, the Fed is going to likely put us into a recession to slow down the economy. And I think that sounds counterintuitive to a lot of folks, but that is exactly what What's happening. So that means next sometime next year we'll probably be in a recession, but that doesn't mean that the markets will have bottomed at that point. No, I mean, you know, there's the S&P 500 and then there are individual stocks. You know, different stocks, different sectors have different cycles to them. So well in advance of a bottom in the S&P 500, certain areas of the market will start to, to lift. You know, we've already already seen some relative strength, obviously, from the energy sector where there is a lack of investment and, uh, you know, basically a lack of supply. And we expect those prices to remain fairly firm. So energy stocks continue to fare fairly well. Uh, we've also seen it in selected technology companies as well, because in a slower economy, companies will spend money to enhance productivity. Uh, to combat slowing growth. You know, the one thing that people should understand, and there's a whole generation of investors who haven't seen it because we've been in quantitative easing, but Tina, there is no alternative to equities because interest rates are low. Now that we're moving away from quantitative easing to quantitative tightening, Tina has left the room. Well, absolutely. And in fact, you know, right now you can get a 4.5% yield on the two-year treasury. A few years ago, that was yielding less than half a percent. So stocks on a dividend yield basis looked really attractive. Well, now they don't. The S&P 500 dividend yield is under 2%. So you can do better in the treasuries, which have the, you know, the security of the U.S. government behind them and not have the downside risk of a, of a stock. So at some point, we're going to have to see an easing of monetary conditions, a trough in economic activity and improving equity risk premium. So it really does require a tactical approach across the board. Derek Falski, our Chief Investment Officer. Dave Spano, President and CEO. we got them for the rest of the hour. Stick around. There's a bunch more to come. Investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning is a fee-only fiduciary. That's what we do. Are you close to retiring? Maybe you think you can't. Destination Retirement is coming up. we get got a preview next on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620 WTMJ. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Dean Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development at Annex Wealth Management. Also a CFP, CDFA, Wealth Manager, and an ABFP, which is going to factor in greatly to what we're going to talk about. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. Okay. ABFP is? Accredited Behavioral Finance Professional. Well, folks, it's back. One of our most popular, and in this reporter's opinion, cherished learning presentations we put on, Destination Retirement. Are we there yet? It's been a while. Yeah, we're very happy to have this one back in the books and to see people in person in our Elm Grove branch. So is this a behavioral thing, getting uh, into oh, retirement? absolutely. Folks, like everything we do, this is a low-key learning opportunity where Annex doesn't sell anything. We're offering our help. Deanne, in the last couple of years, retirement has been stood on its head. People retired early, people unretired, people who wanted to retire put it off because of certain worries. Others are on track. We're going to have a big gathering of all kinds of people looking at retirement in all kinds of ways. Yeah, you know, I think COVID also was a time to put our head down and put a focus on the future, gathering our thoughts around retirement. And we think, all right, well, I have all these sources of income. I have these assets. And in retirement now, I want to be really tactical in how I deal with these sources of income from a taxation point of view. I don't want to turn on all my sources of income at once. I want to be thoughtful of things like Roth conversion, timing, timing of taxable income, 
when I take it, you know, that adjustment for Medicare called IRMA. I don't want to fall into that. And I want to do specific planning around making sure that my replacement piece, that replacement paycheck in retirement is tax efficient. You've mentioned a lot there that makes sense, and it also makes sense why retirement is actually pretty stressful. There's a lot that comes at people. Yeah, there really is. And apart from getting our financial assets in order, we want to consider not that we're retiring from something, but to something. And what that really means is, who will I be in retirement? We're being offered that gift of time in retirement, hopefully, to do the things that are important to us. But the transition to that point can be very difficult from a behavioral finance point of view. We want to make sure that we have a sense of purpose, that we might have had in a job that maintains and sustains itself through our retirement. So the use of our time, whether it's volunteering or working or doing events that make our soul sing, become very important. We want to have time to socialize with friends and families, spend time with people who are important in our lives, focus on our own strengths and abilities, practicing healthy behaviors. I would throw in there, too, that we want to experience and practice gratitude, too, so that we can have a happy retirement. And a lot of times that first decision most people People come to is timing. When is my date? When am I going to push that button? And then, of course, immediately after their finances come to mind. And this is where if planning hasn't been done. It can lead to a little bit of stress. It's really weird right now. People just aren't sure. They put plans on hold or maybe ride out the current storm, but that might be unnecessary. I've heard anecdotal stories of people doing this, but time and time again, we say the plan still works, but you got to have a plan, right? People can still retire when markets are down and the threat of recession is in the air. Absolutely. And I love that question because it's really a behavioral finance question. And having any kind of change in the face of uncertainty is tough, right? So change being like retirement, uncertainty being the markets having this volatile time can lead anyone to having extra stress and being nervous about their future. We are very used to guiding people through this kind of environment. What we think of as people is a specific set point in time. So what's my retirement date? And then in our brains, we think, well, now I'm not earning money. So if the markets go down, what do I have to do? Do I have to go back to work? And that's really a behavioral thing. We forget that if we live to, hopefully, the actuarial numbers, we could have 20 to 30 years in retirement. And I promise you, if you live up to that and you retire in your 60s, over 20 to 30 years, you're going to have potentially many recessions, many up markets, many down markets. But the market smooths out in time. And in the end, economic situations happen. They create volatility, but in the end, the market itself is not the economy, and it rises back to its fundamentals. You've used a phrase that I love. Successful retirement happens when somebody retires to something rather than from something. In destination retirement, are we there yet? Do we get at expectations in retirement? Nobody wants to retire and find out it's not what they expected. You know, it's okay to stop and breathe and retire and then retread even. You know, sometimes we think we're going to be one thing in retirement and it turns out to be something quite different. And that's okay. Again, when we know that our financial life is in order, it helps us to have more options, right? But very often we'll hear from people who say, gee, I really failed at retirement. And what they mean is that they thought they were going to do or be one thing and it really became another. We often at Annex like to meet with people more frequently when they're newly retired because it really is a holistic check, not just about the finances, but really on how they're doing all around and other aspects of planning that make them happy. Some of that could be legacy planning or charitable giving. 
So as you're sitting there, folks, and listening and you're thinking or maybe talking to your significant other and saying, I don't know, can, can we do this? I, I don't know. Do it. At least do destination retirement. Are we there yet? It's coming up pretty quick. Yes, it is fast approaching on Wednesday, November the 9th at 6 p.m. in our Annex Wealth Management Elm Grove headquarters on 127th and Blue Mound. You can get more details on this event and register at AnnexWealth.com under the Events tab. It is absolutely free. Please bring people. It'll be a delightful hour or so evening. Yeah, November 9th is not that far away. It's a great Wednesday night. It's Destination Retirement. Are we there yet? Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development at Annex Wealth Management, a wealth manager. CFP, CDFA, and ABFP. Credited behavioral finance professional. Right. And that is a big part of retirement planning. Deanne, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Saturday, October 22nd. More to come. Stick around. Time for an update. And for that, we head to the WTMJ Breaking News Center. We're back, and it's time for Ask Annex. As always, head to our website, look for the Ask button. We get back to everybody. Some wind up on the radio. If you don't want us to use your name on the radio, that's fine, because you will become anonymous, and we have a bunch of anonymous folks today, but not Randy Winkler, a CFP and a wealth manager. Welcome. Thanks, Danny. Hey, Sarah Kyle, wealth manager. Hi, Danny. Welcome back. Here we go. Let's combine our first two. The first from Alex, second from Kyle. Alex asks, considering buying a house and only plan on living it for five years, what are my best mortgage options given in the market today kind of ties into the one from Kyle. Kyle asks, is it time to consider adjustable rate mortgages? Yep. Well, now that rates are rising, borrowers are starting to consider those adjustable rate mortgages or ARMS. So the ARM rate will be less than the fixed rate. So let's say you buy a adjustable rate mortgage with a five-year ARM you're going to have a lower rate, but after that five years, that rate will adjust. And so if interest rates are going to be higher, you're going to be paying more. Interest rates going to be lower, you could have a, a lower payment. So it's kind of hard to plan. So if people want that certainty of that fixed rate, the adjustable rate is not for them. But if Alex is going to be selling his house in five years, a five-year arm might be the way to go. Yeah, the time frame in this case may actually work out perfect for the arm. Yeah. My first mortgage mortgage rates were like a 10%. You still, if you're going to buy a house, you're going to buy a house. But I remember we got an arm at the time because it was it was the better way or cheaper way for us to sure. get into it. Ask Annex, next one is anonymous. I'm 34 and have been contributing to the max, now $6,000 to my IRA for several years. I'm disappointed about the losses this year. Does it make sense to contribute the max amount for 2022 by the deadline? Would it be a good idea to hold on to some of the $6,000 instead? And another anonymous bookends that is is there ever a reason to not max out your IRA account? Yeah, so the first anonymous, the question, it gets to time frame and goal. First anonymous is 34 years old, so he's got till age 59 and a half before he can get at that money easily without penalty. With that kind of a time frame, he should be taking advantage of the fluctuations in the market that's going on right now. Buying on sale, he'll have plenty of time to recover. The question on whether you max it out, I would say would take a look at what other goals does he have. If he's got some midterm goals, he wants to buy a house or go on vacation or do something else, the IRA is not the appropriate account for that. It could be a more accessible vehicle, and if the time frame is very short, probably should keep it in cash and out of the market. Yeah, and just because you're contributing doesn't mean that you're investing. You should still contribute, and if you just want to keep it in cash and slowly put it in the market, that's fine too. Yeah, and as to the question as to maxing it out, we see very often where people come in that have really giant IRAs or 401ks, and that's all they have. So they can have a really nice, I mean, multiple millions of dollars, but it's all taxable. They have very little tax flexibility. 
So one reason not to maximize the IRA would be to, like we were saying before, into another type of account, a currently taxable account, maybe a Roth. We'd like to see tax equilibrium when you get to retirement so we can choose our tax bracket as opposed to our tax bracket being chosen for us. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. If you're mostly IRA, does that set you up for the tax bomb? It could. It really depends on where taxes are going to be in the future. You know, we're assuming taxes are going to be higher and potentially much higher. A lot of people aren't aware of this, but we're at a historically low tax rate right now. So we want to take advantage of those low brackets while we can. The thought is put money away tax deferred while you're in a high income bracket. And then when you get to retire, hopefully you're in a lower one. And that works out a lot of the case. If your IRA or 401k is so big mm-hmm. and you've got a large required minimum distribution, you could be in a much higher tax bracket in retirement, even in today's tax brackets. So it's good to have a combination. We talk about asset allocation. This is asset location. Where do you have your investments? What type of account? And on the first anonymous person, he didn't really lose yet, did he? He he says losses. Great. His account is down. So the market is an auction. So that what their people are offering to buy his stocks and bonds for at this point is lower than it was maybe six months ago, but he hasn't lost anything. Yeah. We just call it a short-term setback. Next up from James, what's the chance that a stock that has an 80 P.E. ratio will end up justifying its price? Well, there's always a chance, right? (laughs) Stocks that have a high P.E. typically have that because either the price is very high or the earnings are very low. But let's say Tesla, for instance, that has a P.E. right around that range. And some analysts are saying that's going to grow into the P.E. by 2025. So pharmaceutical companies, biotech companies, they tend to have really high P.E. ratios. But that's because there's a lot of stuff in the pipeline that people are anticipating that will come out and come online. Then it will grow into the pipeline. So there's always a chance. I mean, it just depends on what stock you're in. And And it's good to compare it against its peers. So mm-hmm. you can't compare a stock in retail to a stock in healthcare or mm-hmm. technology. So you look at the peers, where's their P.E. ratio? See, is this expensive or inexpensive grouped amongst its peers? Yeah, and the benchmark for that industry is always good to check out. In our final 45 seconds or so, anonymous question, is there a rule of thumb when it comes to dollar cost averaging? I'm not really sure what they're meaning by this, but a good rule of thumb would be don't stop when the market's down. The whole strength of dollar cost averaging is putting away the same amount every interval, whether it's paycheck or month, regardless of what the market's doing. I've heard some people say brashly, well, I was smart. When the market went down, I stopped contributing to my 401k plan. That's actually not the smartest move. The whole point of dollar cost averaging is to keep doing it. When the market's down, you buy more. When the market's up, you buy less, and your average cost goes down. So rule of thumb is stick with it. Yep, and be consistent. Yes. Randy Winkler, CFP and a wealth manager. Thanks. My pleasure. Sarah Kyle, wealth manager, Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. You're welcome. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Why are millennials considering cashing out of their retirement plans? We'll talk about that next. We're going to take a break, but we'll be right back on 620 WTMJ. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management, joined by Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back, Tom. Hello, Danny. Also joining us, Tom Burkholz, CFP and Financial Planning Specialist, Annex Wealth Management. Hey, Tom. Hi there. By the way, you are representing Millennial Generation. Is that all right? Yep. Double Tom. So I'm just going to start with each guy's names if I got a question for you like this one. Tom Parks. Here's the headline that caught my eye. Six in 10 millennials consider cashing out of retirement plans in large market downturn. For a guy focused on retirement plans, that's got to send a shiver down your spine. Danny, the word that comes to mind is when I hear from my my high school age kids, cringeworthy. Cringeworthy. Yes. Tom Burkholz, I highly doubt that is you, but you are the representative millennial. So what's going on? 
Yeah, well, for one, we know about half of millennials live paycheck to paycheck. So as we experience these market downturns, there's more layoffs and more millennials finding themselves taking money out of their 401k, in my opinion, out of necessity. Um, and I also think there's some temptation when there's that smaller 401k balance to just say, you know, it's only $5,000, I'm just going to take it out, cash it out. But they don't really think of the time value of money that by the age they retire, that's going to be worth a lot more. It's not that they're worried about the future, do you think? Do they think that the world is coming to an end or anything? I do think with millennials, they tend to be more pessimistic yeah. about the state of things and, and the future of our planet and whatnot. So that could play part of it as well. Okay. Tom Parks, good sample in this survey. Size of over 4,000, everybody's 18 and older, contributing at least 1% to a current plan and or having $5,000 in at least one former plan. But 60% considering cashing out with this market downturn, I know the answer, I think, but what's the long-term potential impact of cashing out? Yeah, well, Mr. Burkholz kind of alluded to this with the time value of money. And when I look at this, you know, you think of millennials cashing out without regard to the market performance, generally not going to be a good idea when we're talking about a retirement plan account, generally speaking. So the long-term impact on the ability to grow is obviously going to be diminished with actions like this. Tom Burkholz, I saw somewhere that this might be because millennials haven't seen something quite like this before. Mm -hmm. Maybe you saw the 0809 recession as kids. You're in the biz, but you got a historical perspective. But is this just totally unexpected? No, I mean, in fact, it should be totally expected. We know that on average, bear markets happen about every one in seven years. So they're a common thing. And if you listen to Warren Buffett's advice, it's pretty simple. You, you want to buy low and sell high. And I just view recessions and pullbacks like this as an opportunity to buy low and accumulate more shares and really just participate in the upside from here. The headline, six in 10 millennials consider cashing out of retirement plans in large market downturn. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services at Annex Wealth Management is here. So is Tom Burkholz, CFP and a financial planning specialist and a millennial. If not a retirement plan, where's that money going? Nearly half of millennials are extremely interested in investing in ESG. More planned participants also jumping into digital assets such as cryptocurrencies. In fact, millennials lead the way in the category with 61% investing in crypto. Yeah, Danny, this is an interesting aspect of this. So when we talk about, Sir Bergholz again said, this opportunity with the market being where it is. Now, do we know if the market is going to go down further before we hope eventually it's going to go up? We do generally think of market downturns as opportunities for buying. When you start looking at ESG, there are very specific fiduciary considerations that need to be taken into impact with retirement plans in particular that makes that an interesting concept. But when we look at cryptocurrency, lots of different opinions when it comes to cryptocurrency. What I would say is if you're looking at a retirement account, you want to really question, is that the appropriate vehicle for cryptocurrency speculation? Yeah. And another thing I'll mention is I actually just saw some research that millennials who are buying crypto on average tend to have more debt than their peers. So are we seeing this lottery ticket phenomenon where just like people who buy lottery tickets often out of need, are we seeing millennials who are buying crypto? It's more out of need that they just want to hit it big so they can start paying off their loans and things like that. The other thing, Danny, that I forgot to mention is we do have a What's That video on ESG for those of you who are listening, kind of wondering what we're talking about there. So check out our YouTube channel for that. You know, I got to plug those things. Very, very nice. This is probably a huge opportunity for companies to educate their employees of staying in and staying hanging with the market, right? Absolutely. I think it is difficult when you're looking at what's going on 
these times we try to prepare people for saying market turbulence does happen. It's one thing to talk about it theoretically. It's obviously an entirely different thing to experience it in real life, which is what's happening now. The opportunity for education is an ongoing one. It is acute right now, though, I would say. So we're doing a lot of messaging with our 401k clients in particular because people are understandably concerned. And a lot of times what we find is just if you have a communication, you talk to people, you let them know you're there. It really goes a long way to, to helping stabilize their, their emotions. Yeah, for sure. Tom Burkholz representing Millennial Nation. Do you believe six and 10 millennials are thinking about doing this? I personally do not consider it. My friends and my family that I've talked to have not, but I would imagine because we know millennials do really live paycheck to paycheck, many of them. So I think a lot of necessity are. For investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning, we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Start that wealth metric process. Tom Burkholz, CFP, Financial Planning Specialist. Thank you. My pleasure. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services. Thank you. Look forward to coming back, Danny. Thanks. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're going to break, but we're going to be right back on 620 WTMJ. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Quick reminder, this show available on demand at the top of the hour on Annex Wealth Management Spotify. So if you came in late and you're liking what you heard and you want to get a little bit more caught up, that's where we're going to be. I'm Danny Clayton, Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer. Dave Spano's with us, President and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. Unless you've been under a rock, you know that we are in election season. You can't get away from it. Everywhere you go, you see advertising for a particular politician. But we pay attention to it for lots of reasons. One of them, of course, is that during the election cycle, there are investing trends that we have seen for a long time, and you've highlighted them most of the year, Derek. Right. The midterm election cycle is actually one of the more predictive uh, indicators we've seen. And what we've seen is that the S&P 500 has been positive in the 12 months post midterm election since 1942, and particularly in the third year of a presidential term. So while everyone right now is focused on a recession and the negative headlines, just keep that in the back of your mind, because I'm often asked right now, you know, given what the markets have done, what would you do right now? I talked to a guy yesterday who actually got out of the market about a year and a half ago, and I said, well, if I'm completely out, I would go a third in, third in down 5%, and add the final third after your average cost in the first two is positive because it's very hard to time markets. It's, it's one thing to get it right on the, on the way out, but you also want to get it right on the way in because in the long run, stocks do go up. And so you look at, for example, companies, if you want to start to do that in individual names, you have to pay attention to the earnings. And we pay a lot of attention to not only individual companies, but the S&P 500 earnings. The expectation for the aggregate earnings of all the S&P 500 was around 230, and that number has changed. And that is something that you need to pay attention to because you take that aggregate earnings and put a multiple on it, and that's the question. What multiple does it deserve in a higher interest rate market? Right, and historically, the average is somewhere between 15 and 16 times. In a recessionary environment, it can go as low as 14. The other thing that's interesting about the S&P 500 is that collectively right now, the the forward earnings estimate is about 15 15 to 16 times. But if you take out the largest eight companies in the S&P 500, that number goes down to 12.9, which tells you that the average stock is actually a lot cheaper than average. And that behooves one to, you know, those that have been buying the S&P index funds and the rest are buying the good with the bad. But at this point right now, I, I would argue potentially the largest companies is where the risk is in the S&P. So going small caps, going mid caps, uh, just getting beyond the, the headline driven companies like Apple and Google and Amazon and the rest may lead to better returns going forward. 
you know, in our investment committee meetings, folks, we go through names, individual securities, and there are lots of names that are trading at single-digit multiples and paying dividends across all sectors. Some of the sectors that you would expect and some that you won't. But some of those big energy names that you mentioned earlier are in that category. But this continues into retail and in some other areas as well. You're literally seeing companies that generate free cash flow that actually did a really nice job of refinancing when interest rates were low. They're in a really good spot to tackle an uncertain environment. They're not going to have to lay off a lot of people. They'll probably still be able to buy back stock and increase dividends. But again, that requires you know some analysis and not just a blind approach to buying an index fund, which again, uh, has the good with the bad. And so, you know, when you talk about index funds versus mutual funds, for example, just a, a quick primer on that is, of course, that the ETF generally buys a basket and is unmanaged in, in general terms, but a mutual fund tries to make moves. And that is one of the things that you can do. You can either be passive or you can be an active manager. And passive has done very, very well during the times of quantitative easing. But now that that's going away, active management should get a kick in the pants. You certainly would think so. So we spend a lot of time interviewing managers, talking to them about their quarterly results, getting a sense of what their best ideas, what their process is, and the rest. And, you know, we do tend to shy away from active managers that, that generate their performance by heavy concentrations in particular sectors, because you really want their process to be durable across sectors, because you never know which sector is going to lead the market on a year-to-year basis. And folks, if anything that you've heard over the last hour piques your interest, there is a way to come and interview us. And it's very easy. If you go online and hit the Get Started button, you can actually see a calendar that fits your calendar as well. And we will get together with you and we'll walk through all of the financial planning. And that is a big part of Know the Difference. This is not just an investment house compared to others. We do the financial planning. We set forth the path so you have a plan to go forward. Estate planning, tax planning, investment planning, it's all part of it. Dirk Felsky, Chief Investment Officer, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Danny. Dave Spano, our President and CEO. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Danny. Folks, like Dave said, if you've clicked with what you've heard in the last hour, this is your invitation to take the next step. Just a couple of minutes. That's all it takes. Start the conversation. Click that Get Started button. Now is the time. Annex Wealth Management is ready. See you back here next Saturday, 10 o'clock. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 620 WTMJ.